2: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
3: I guess we'll, uh, been like this the last couple of days, but maybe we'll call this group therapy. Group therapy session here. Not feeling any better about it. Last you know, over over the last two days. Nope. Still stings, still hurts. Take a while to come down off of this one. All right. You guys heard my thoughts uh, all weekend here on Twitter, of course. Uh podcast out there yesterday as well. Um, a lot of you agreeing, of course. I mean, there's not a lot to disagree with <laughs> out there. Uh, but, you know, this thing's going in many directions, of course. You start every time after a loss, you know, there's always a big picture look to go along with it at the same time. And I think that's where a lot of the – the, the bad feeling comes from year four still don't necessarily know the direction the program's going right now. And, um, I, that, that that's where I stand with it right now. Of course, looking, going back when Dan Mullen was hired I never would have thought we'd be in year four, still wondering, uh, where the program is heading, uh, and still conceding the East to Georgia in year four. And look, we're in the first week of October and we're already conceding the East to Georgia. Um, partly you know, part because of how good they are and partly because of how far it's played uh, so far this year. So I uh, didn't think we'd be in this position here year four uh, of Dan Mala. So I think uh, you know, that's, that's where the big picture look starts for me uh, and kind of still uh, wondering of the direction of the program right now. So, uh, Roberto, man, I'll start with you. We'll get this conversation going.
4: All right, Good morning. Hey, how you doing, man? Feeling like you this morning. Feeling <laughs> just like you this morning. Hey, I wanted to let you know I listened to your um, YouTube early this morning, and I've been waiting for you to come on. <laughs> Everything you said in your YouTube, I felt it. I even commented it on Twitter this morning that the way the program going right now, dude, we're going to end up looking like Nebraska. <clears throat> that killer instinct that we used to have, where is it? It's
3: not consistent. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that much.
4: <laughs> it's not. And looking at Dan, you know, when he coming off the field smiling, I would be pissed. I would be pissed. And why? The funny thing, though, Dave, let, let me, let me retract a little bit. While watching the game, I was sitting there probably like everybody else saying, while we running into Kentucky strength, which is basically running the ball right at them or from sideline to sideline, their weakness is their secondary. We're throwing the ball. We're making – we're catching the ball. But like you said once again in your, you know, YouTube channel, we're not pressing the ball down the field. And then when we do, you stop. It made no sense. None whatsoever. And then to go into halftime with three timeouts and you didn't use not one of them. It just, it just baffled the mind of probably every Gator fan on the planet. I mean, like I said, I, I listened to you this morning, man. And I was like, man, my man, I feel exactly what he was saying. And it just, it got to be some self-evaluations, some long looks in the mirror, not just with the team, but the coaching staff and even with Scott Scott Strickland. Scott Strickland should pull every last one of the coaches, everybody into the office and say, look, we're paying y'all salaries and this is the kind of outlook we're going to get. It needs to be some fire put up on the people because if you underperform at your job, your job is only going to give you, what, a, a verbal warning, a written up, and then you terminate it. I mean, I'm not trying to call for Dan's head. I'm not that type of dude. But the performance that was put on the field Saturday, that was way below Gator standard. I'm just being honest.
1: There you
3: go. I mean, the, the, that, that whole Gator standard, you know, that Dan Bowen comes up or comes into the program with, that's where a lot of people are going to fall back on it. Look, I mean, we know the standard. The day he's hired, say, Gator standard. I mean, you know, he, that, that catchphrase wasn't needed, but it, it came out there. So, of course, I mean, and we know he knows the expectations of Florida fans, and he coming in that way uh, and you know, hyping that Gator standard. Well, of course, it's going to be turned around and used to get – saw Saturday and look I mean it, it's not the first time we, we've seen Florida come out and play that way and and not be up for a game you go back to, to, to last year and look I mean of course you go back to 2018 and you losing to Kentucky there losing to Missouri and and you could say inexcusable games but okay you get a pass it, it, it's your one uh you, you get somewhat of a pass but now you know it's still the uh Kind of continuation from the end of 2020, now coming to 2021, uh, and still seeing those type of performances where it doesn't look like Florida's ready. In some ways, I, you know, right or wrong, no way, no way to really measure this. Are, are they ready to play a game? Uh, want to once again? Are they getting ready? Are already getting up for, for opponents, you know, that's uh, that's just a trend we've seen that continues uh, And for whatever reason just no no killer instinct week in and week out and uh, and it's not uh, you you can look at that micro You can look at that macro and that's just what it looks like right now. There's not a killer instinct in the program right now All right Ryan, so Ryan, you good? I don't hear you. Does it say your mic is muted? Oh, I do not hear you. All right, let me. Ryan, I hear something. But it's not coming through for whatever reason. All right. Carrie, get you in here. You good there, Kerry?
5: Yeah, good morning, Dave. Hey, man, good morning. The best nation is still Gator Nation, man.
3: Oh yeah,
5: but man, I just want to see uh, how you feel about Dan Mullen just just overhauling his philosophy, just totally just changing what he's trying to do. Because if you look at the cow, if you look at our offense last year with Cal Trash, we didn't struggle to, to score points. You, really, I don't want to see him go to a pass heavy offense like he was last year. But if we can't throw the ball, then, you know, it, we ain't finna line up and beat Georgia with that offense that we running. Like, if, you know, I just want to see him go out the more athletic pocket passer that can throw the ball because Emory Jones, it looked like he's throwing motion They got kind of slow because when he throw the ball, it's like he just taking his time to throw, his release ain't fast. I don't know if it released change or what, but it just looks so slow and missing. And like we had players running open, and like I don't know what it is, but I just think we need to just ch- change all our philosophy and just go to a more pass friendly offense.
3: Carry okay, on, uh, just- uh, yeah. Um. I, I put that out there yesterday, and I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I put that out there yesterday, and you look, since Dan Mullen's come to Florida, and he has run, if you go to the Felipe Franks offense, that's more similar to what we're seeing with Henry Jones. You know, that's the type of offense. And Mark Stoops is, you know, since his time at Kentucky and timing it with Dan Mullins' time at Florida, you get back to 2018. 18. He, he stifled that offense. You go back to 2019 before he gets injured, Man, that's, uh, that's what you see. And now he, he stifled that offense before Kyle Trask comes in uh, and saves the day. You go to the pass-heavy approach that you saw with Kyle Trask last year, it you know, look, 2020 was different, of course, but you know Kentucky can't even keep up with that style of offense. And then back to the quarterback run style of offense, and Kentucky stifles you once again. Uh, so, Mark Stoops is definitely why his talent level has raised and uh, timing with Dan Mullen's time at Florida. It, it has made a difference uh, there for his defense being able to play against that style of offense. And, of course, you look at the type of offenses Kirby Smart has struggled with at Georgia. And you go to last year and on that offense. You go to the year before Joe Burrow and that type of offense not passing attack from LSU uh, against a really good Georgia defense. And that Georgia defense can't keep up. So, yeah, it, it, and I will say, you know, you talk about an overhaul in, in the way maybe – but recruiting philosophy, yeah, that need, needs to be overhauled. You know, you want to get better athletes in anyway. But we are seeing the hints that I think Dan Mullen does kind of want to go to that style of offense a little more. You look at a Jalen Kitna, Carlos Del Rio, uh, a Nick Evers, they are more of that athletic pocket style. They're athletic guys. They can run, but you're not going to ask them to run. Uh 10, 15 times a game. It's more about can you escape the pocket when needed, and if we decide to call the zone read, read option, speed option, you know, run it to keep a defense off balance, but it's not going to be the focus of the offense. focus of the offense is going to be drop, three, five, seven step, drop, throw the ball on timing, and, and, and go with it. So we've seen Dan Mullen have success with it, and we think, uh, you know, I think just by looking at recruiting, you can see maybe him trending that way a little bit, Uh, Anthony Richardson may be the best of both worlds, you know, when he gets his chance and ever get the, you know, get the playbook down, get the offense down, know the part of the offense, uh, and you know maybe to excel on both sides of of that style. But I think with the quarterbacks, Dan Mullins recruited, you can tell that uh, he, he wants to have that option of being able to, to go to that, uh, pass. I won't necessarily say pass first, but pass friendly, uh, style of offense. Okay,
5: Dave. I didn't want to, you know, get your thoughts on it, Jesse. But, you know, it's still Gator Nation, though, but, man, 13 points against
6: Kentucky, we shouldn't be good on that. But all right, Dave, thanks. All right,
4: thanks, man. All right,
3: Ryan, I think you're back in here now. Hopefully Twitter didn't kick you off this time.
4: Yeah,
7: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> time. How's it going, Dave? Good, man, good. Good. I just – I think – and I've been saying it on the timeline all weekend and stuff, and you said it a lot in your recap. But my question is, you know, when's hey, – it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, right? It doesn't matter if it's Emory. It doesn't matter if it's Richardson or whoever. I think, was it the stat cat said we didn't throw one pass over 20 yards? Yeah. You know, like at some point, Dan's got to trust whoever he puts back there. You know, and I don't know why he doesn't. Obviously, we're not at practice or whatnot. But, I mean, that was – a scared game plan it was called a scared game like there's no reason if you think emory is what we all you know thought he was going to be that you don't let him at least go out and try some of this stuff and you know i think people bringing up game reps for the last couple years and stuff okay probably valid to some extent but at some point you got to just do it because my question is what happens the rest of the year you know Mm -hmm. are you just going to run the ball into the line of scrimmage for the next eight games and and hope it works you know well i know in jacksonville it's not gonna work yeah. you know but i know a lot of other places you know you might be you're gonna be vandy and some teams like that but at some point either you got to trust the guy you put in there or you got to make a change or you got to do something different with what you're gonna call so that you do trust them i mean i i don't think it has anything to well i mean we could argue all day why a fourth year starter here you know, or fourth year guy doesn't have the coaches trust or why the second year guy doesn't have the coaches trust or whoever but at some point you got to trust somebody and you got to have some confidence in what you're doing back there otherwise i mean one little thing goes wrong and then you're losing these as you said unexcusable games to kentucky
3: yeah that's the thing that this offense is going to keep it, 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 yeah if this is the offense you are going to run and it's an off day then you're going to get that one score fourth quarter type of game where you can't make the mistake uh, and that's exactly what happened Saturday night. Um, I, I'll ask Dan if nobody else does before me, but I'm going to ask him about the downfield passing attack today when we talked to him in the press conference. And um, it's, it, 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 it's got to be a mix. We do see there are plays where there are guys open down the field and the quarterback just won't see it, doesn't trust himself to throw it. I, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I mean, heck, you come in as a – and look, I know – it's a little, it, maybe a lot different, but you know, we'll go back to twenty eighteen. Emory Jones in his first big game, Florida Georgia, deep down, deep past down the sideline to Van Jefferson. So you know, it's not like he's afraid to throw, uh, but you come and get groomed as the quarterback and learning the offense and it's your chance. And we don't see the the same aggression that look, I know that play was probably practiced. That's the play. He was come in and designed to run. I, I get that being you know, back in 2018. That's more than likely the scenario there. Uh, but we also saw earlier in the season. Uh, and I know we wanted to see more of it, but, You know, earlier in the season, we were seeing him test the ball down the field a little more. And, okay, you had some interceptions and, you know, the pass a little more that that gets picked off versus USF. Uh, But even versus Bama, you know, you you, you at least try to test it. and probably at least to keep the aggression from their defense for, for, from catching up a little bit. I mean, you, you didn't really complete them, but you got the pass interference calls with, with Copeland when you when, when you at least tried to pass the ball down the field. And look, it it does at least let the defense know you're willing to try it. And right now, you know, Kentucky probably had no no confidence. Uh, in look at or you know, Tail Florida had no confidence in going down the field. Play right into their hands. Uh, yeah, they they were they were spying Emory. They were looking to to keep him from running, but also uh, in, in a way daring him to pass the ball. There were there were times when Kentucky's in zone, they're not picking up, they're not passing their zone off. There's a guy open for Florida down the field. Uh, I just I, I don't know why Emory either doesn't see it or he does see it and won't pull the trigger. I don't know the trust in him himself uh, right now. I guess to go down the field either. I think maybe that's part of it uh, as well. But you know we'll, we'll ask Mullen about it and see if there's uh, what he sees uh, in in the downfield passing game and uh, maybe a way to get more of it. All right.
8: Who else is in here? Tyler. Let me see.
9: Hey, David, how you doing?
3: Good. How about
9: you? Doing good. Uh, I guess my only comment is, is um, I just – you know, I just want the thumb wrestling Dan Mullen back. I, I said it on Twitter a couple times and I just kind of wonder what happened to that guy. Um, you know, after that loss, you know, that, you know, that I think that was season one bad loss and, you know, he comes out with some fire in the press conference and it really gave the fan base, you know, a lot of confidence that this is the right guy. Um, and now it's just like every post-game press conference, there's excuses um, you know, the the picture of him trotting onto the field with the biggest smile on his face. I just I just don't get it. I mean, he brought an offense to Gainesville that we hadn't had in a decade, and I guess he's just super comfortable back there and um, you know, it's the little things we that I complain about all the time that people come, you know, people get mad about it, you know, even when we win, but those little things add up and they came back to bite us here. And, you know, you just – he had a chance to get rid of Grantham last year, which I'm not going to blame the game on Grantham. Defense played pretty good. But he just – he's refusing to make the personnel changes, and I'm not sure that he has any incentive to. And I don't know what it's going to take. But, um, yeah, I just want to thumb wrestle and damn on back. I just I, – I truly wonder what happened to that guy and why he doesn't have that fire anymore. Or, you know, if he does, why he doesn't show the fan base – and I don't mind losing to Kentucky if you leave it all out on the field. But we just didn't even try to win. We played not to lose. And, um, you know, even if you throw it deep, if you get a pick, that's fine. You can say, look, we tried. They were the better team tonight. But you might even get a pass interference to extend the drive. We just didn't try at all. And I, I just really don't get it.
3: Yeah, uh, a couple things there. I think once, the, once he saw the defense was probably going to play pretty well, and then once the offensive line started having their issues, I think he went to a shell. Uh, I really do. The, the aggression wasn't there. I think uh, also probably caught him by surprise a little bit that the running game wasn't going to be as effective as it had, had been uh, the last couple of weeks. I think that affected a, a little bit of the, the, the play calling, play design. Uh, aggressiveness that we saw I think it was going to be a conservative approach anyway but like I said on the podcast don't mind that if you think your run game is going to go take off and if the run game had been the last what it had been the last couple of weeks you know we wouldn't have complained about trying to run the ball and and all that but it wasn't you got to adjust you got a game plan you got a scheme uh and look that's what he had been doing the last couple of weeks really well anyway You know, we, we we kind of lauded him for his play calling uh against Alabama against Tennessee and, and scheming guys open and and misdirection and confusing linebackers along the way. We just didn't see uh, a whole lot of that. I do think, you know, the the offensive line uh, and their performance probably affected Dan Dan, Dan Mullen a whole lot uh, in what he wanted to do uh, out there as far as, you know, just being aggressive and maybe changing things along the way. I do agree with you about the whole thumb wrestling. and After the Missouri, I think uh, the fan base, yeah, you, know, you weren't okay with a loss after that game, but you were like, okay, you 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 got fired up in some kind of way, saying, okay, well, you know, we know this guy's not going to take kindly the losses uh, too much, and then you had the. Uh, wait, wait. We know post game press conferences lately aren't, aren't Dan Mullen's best friend. <laughs> you go back to twenty twenty uh, and everything that happened there. There's no need to rehash everything that happened, but you know, you, you can put together uh, and, and go back and look at all that. And yeah, I mean, it's just uh, ha- hasn't been the best look at times uh, for, for Mullen and, and post game press conferences. And you mentioned the smiling coming off the field uh, and then the comments of about you know leading in stats but not really being out coached and then look you. Well, maybe have to read the room a little bit. Uh, you might can think that, but maybe not come out and say it. <laughs> that, uh, well, we led in yards and blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't necessarily say I was outcoached. Hey, you lost a game. So, you know, this, yeah. What, what's the score? Okay, yeah, that's the score. Okay, yeah, okay. I, I was outcoached. Uh, but, you know, maybe read the room a little better. That's got, uh, you know. But that, that's Mullen. I mean, we we know the, the press, post-game press conferences aren't his friend there. But I do think, you know, the fan base sees the whole – Therm Wrestling Comment 2018, uh, he's ready to go after a loss. He's ready to get better. And, like, I don't don't, don't expect him to come out like that after every loss, you know, as that would fall on deaf ears after a while and and coming out like that. But, you know, I think uh, after Saturday, the smile walking onto the sideline, you know, that – something like that probably would have uh, appeased the fan base a little bit, but – Uh, after that kind of loss, I'm not so sure much would have, but yeah, a lot of people do want to see and wonder where that fire is that we saw back in 2018.
4: Hey Dave, I just want another question that should be asked in regards is where are all the alpha males? Yeah. Where are all the alpha males on the actual team? When I see they get deflated, they go to the sideline and they just sit there and they look like they're sulking. There's no Brandon Spikes mentality on the sideline. There's no Tim Tebow um, mentality on the sideline. It's like, okay, we just gonna accept what just happened and we just, whatever. There's no alpha males. I've been saying this for a minute now. Since Jared Davis left, There has not been not one. Now, Ventrell was trying to live up to that aspect. I get it. But after him, where's the rest of them? You got veterans on the offensive line. Why ain't nobody stepping up saying, you know what? Look, guys, we're not playing. We're not playing. We need to get this corrected, and we need to get it corrected right now. None of that happened. Garage been playing for a minute now. I even said on Saturday night, I'm hoping and praying that this is the last last year. Graduate, go. (laughs) Because it don't make any sense to me. You got veterans and ain't nobody taking a role as a true leader and saying, look, let's get this crap under wraps because this is not us.
3: Yeah, I think that I have seen that brought up too, and also regards to the uh, the, the quarterback position as well. You know that uh, there just seems to be no emotion uh, going through there. And look at that that's that's hard to measure sometimes, and hard to measure how much it matters. And you know if you're not that guy, do you go force it? You uh, know, Emory Jones is not the, you know, it doesn't look to be the the, the rah rah type there. And uh, a lot of that comes. OK, if you're, you know, Kyle Trash wasn't necessarily that type of guy either. But, you know, you go out there and play well and you lead by, you can lead by example in a couple of different ways uh, there. But uh, I, I've seen that brought up, too. And look, how, yeah, I mean, leadership was a, a big question on last year's team. Uh, and then you had Zach Carter coming back and Britton Cox coming back. You had those transfers coming in. Uh, and their leadership right away was brought up, uh, you know, in a, in a comparison to Jonathan Grenard back in 2019. Um, you know, and look, I, look. But where, where I'm pointing at is, I'm pointing to all the guys on the defense uh, right now. A lot of your leadership probably comes from that side of the ball. And, you know, when you have a game like Saturday night, when your defense is actually playing pretty well, you know, you, you'd like to see some of that leadership on the offensive uh, side of the ball. You know, uh, Jacob Copeland and Emory Jones, uh, Damian Pierce uh, probably has that role and, and that responsibility in some form or fashion. Malik Davis, you've been around the program uh, for years as well. But yeah, it, it is something at least that you can't see physically. Now, of course, we're not on the sideline. We're not. You know, privy to, to seeing everything that goes on on the sideline uh, and and everything there, but I do think you know, especially everything that was happening Saturday night and the and the false starts and the kind of lackadaisical uh, approach, the 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 question of that uh, can arise, uh, but it, it, it's not necessarily
10: an easy answer. Good morning, Dave. Hey, Nick. Greetings from Birmingham, man. My wife and kids wondering why I'm still salty this morning and they <laughs> celebrating that Bama victory, but uh that's getting a little old. Um the question I got, Dave. Well, comment. Uh, I was talking in the fall about special teams, you know, because it really worried me. I know you said they work work on it and everything, but I had a feeling it was going to bite us in the Bama game because I said I had a feeling it might come down to the last second, you know, maybe a long field goal or whatever to try to win the game. And it obviously came back to bite us against the Bama and the Kentucky game. Mm -hmm. And looking at the game last night, man – I'm looking at it, and that left side starting with Big Dez. Love Big Dez, but man, that left side got blew up and Dez, it was like it was no effort with uh Pasco coming through there, blocking it and taking it back and, you know, kind of the difference in the ball game.
3: Yeah, man. I mean, especially in both losses this year, you know, these special teams have, have, have shown up, and uh, that's more of a and I mentioned it on the podcast, it was one of those attention to detail type of things. That's what special teams are. You know, special teams are a, a, a detail aspect of, of football. And you're, you're not seeing that. Um, nobody no, nobody fears anything about Florida special teams. Now, Florida's had great field goal kickers for, for years upon years. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you, you, you gave that respect gotcha. to Florida. But as far as the, the playmaking ability of special teams – there, nobody's worried about Florida in that regard. Nope. Nobody's worried. Of, nobody's worried about a pump return. Nobody's worried about a pump block. Nobody's worried about a kickoff return uh, going the distance. There, I um, you know. No, you know, one change that a lot of people have mentioned. Okay, I wouldn't mind seeing it if Lorenzo Lingard, Demarcus Bowman I don't go get touches in the run game get them involved in, in, in special teams some kind of way, somehow. Uh, you know, young guys, Chris Rainey and Jeff Demps, you know, when those guys were young, when those were guys were freshmen, you saw those guys on special teams. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, it, it kept them engaged in games. Now, you, you gave them some carries uh, when they were young guys as well, and, and they performed in a running game as young guys too. But, you know, at, at least looking at two other guys maybe in that scenario that are young and don't get a lot of playing time, I mean, that's a way to get those guys engaged. You some more speed on the field as well and – Look, I, look, Mullen, Mullen knows how to coach football. Will forget more football than I'll ever know, but he, you know, he's he's conservative in a lot in in a lot of areas uh, about mm-hmm. football, and a lot of it is you know, maybe relying way too much on seniority, relying way too much on experience and sometimes just not going with the physical ability. Uh, and I know we talk about that at the quarterback position, but I mean, there's other places too. And you know, I think special teams is one of those. Uh, yeah. and he, uh, he always talks about young guys. Uh, if you want to get on the field, go prove yourself on special teams. Well, okay. Well, where are those guys at? Uh, yeah. And what opportunity are they getting? So, um, yeah. Uh, and I, the, the You've had the missed extra point, the the blocked field goal, uh, and both losses this year. You you point to that specific part of special teams, but it's it's all encompassing. You uh, know, and, uh, and they've punted the ball pretty well this year too, uh, given that, that too. But I'm talking about and going to your point too, just the the playmaking, the skill players. Uh, that can make a difference uh, in special teams. You you don't see it. You, you don't even really see it. Uh, it. Looks like the focus isn't there because ever since he's been here, uh, there's been no lack of aggr- There's been a there's been a
10: lack of aggression in
3: and being aggressive on special teams is maybe punt mm-hmm. blocking and punt returning, kick returning. Yeah, you, you, you don't see it.
10: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and another thing, Dave. You know, we talk about Emory's progression. You know, and I'm watching it again and I'm looking on the interception. And I'm looking at the underneath route, had Malik Davis wide open at least for 10, 12 yards, you know, and he throws it across the middle. I'm wondering if he just has hesit- he, he's hesitating because a lot of his throws are late. And my thing about that is, Dan, if he doesn't want to throw the ball deep down the field, well, hey, let, let's try to, if you want to pound the ball, let's put, Let's try to run Lingard and Bowman. Those are your deep play. Those are your threats as far as touching the ball and taking it 80 yards to the house. No no disrespect to Davis and Pierce and Naquan, but from all accounts, those are your big play guys right there. Get, let's give them an opportunity to, if you want to be a run-happy team because no, we'll get no explosive plays.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a different way to, to measure explosives, and that was something I brought up big time yesterday. Like, you, And I'll, I'll do the baseball analogy one time. You know, you, you're hitting a lot of doubles and triples in the run game, at least going into last week, but you, you were still missing that home run. Yes. Uh, and and all throughout the offseason, uh, going back to spring, leading up to the season, I still said, you know, your home run threats probably are Lingard uh, yeah. and Bowman. Yeah. And, and you're not seeing it. Uh, there in that run game. And there's a big time, you know, now in, 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 in that close game when you really could have used it, uh, and, and at least, I, and there you go, kind of falling back to the whole experience versus maybe skill. Uh, you know, I, I, I at least thought we would see a package for one of those guys to yeah. at least try, try and get them on the edge. Look, I know they probably struggle past blocking. I, I, I completely agree with that. But as you said, if you're going to kind of be predictable and you're going to play that conservative run approach style, okay, well, Kentuckys know you're going to run it anyway. So try, try, try and get something creative uh, with those guys. Get them yeah. on the edge and just see if they can bust one. Uh, but in, in that close game scenario, Dan Mullen's always going to fall back on experience. He's going to fall back on a conservative approach not to mess things up. And that interception messed things up uh, there. And you, you talk about that play. And, look, Kentucky forward, Emory, uh, he, he never expected that guy to, to fall back and trail uh, and that's the you know and the, the th- throw was late, throw was low, and easy, easy interception uh, there. Maybe a maybe a better throw, and it maybe works out anyway. But Kentucky had Kentucky had that covered all, all, all throughout, and, and credit to them for for fooling Jimmy Jones there uh, and, and getting that interception. But uh, yeah, I mean, F- F- Florida still got to go back to the drawing board. As good as that run game. Can be potentially be, uh, you still gotta find, and yeah, as you said, especially if you're not going to pass the ball down the field, try and find another way to create explosives in the right game.
10: Yes, absolutely. Well, okay, Dave, I appreciate that, man. Go Gators! Go Gators! All right,
3: Good
11: morning, Dave. Hey, Jake, how you doing, man? Very good, brother. Um, I feel like I know regret when I see it, and that post game press conference with Dan. That dude did not want to be there. Uh, I kind of feel, and he's already admitted this once. He's kind of throwing wrinkles into the game to get Emory more comfortable, but in uncomfortable situations, I almost kind of feel he game plan for LSU, Georgia by like using UK and uh, maybe, I guess, was it Missouri or whoever we play next to like kind of sort of get him ready to be uncomfortable. So do you think that maybe he'd look past this game and this is what bit him?
3: Uh, not from what I heard. I mean, I, I heard they were, they were re- really, I mean, it may be on defense, but it may, this maybe spoke more to the defense, but I, I heard it was a really physical week in practice, uh, knowing that what Kentucky was going to bring to the table. Uh, no, I, I don't think he ever looked this one. I, I just think it was a conservative game plan. Um, Changed even more conservative probably once the offensive line showed that uh, they were going to be lost uh, throughout the whole game. They couldn't fire off the ball. Uh, you know, the snap count, um, the clapping, no silent count, no adjustment there, all, you know, fell. You know, first it falls on, on the head coach, offensive line coach, for not trying to come up with something. Looking at though, know, if you didn't practice it during the week, it Probably going to be hard to implement something, but you can also go back on that and say, like, hey, you got, you're got you going on the road. Yeah, and this is not you I mean, you, you've coached football for, you've been a head coach for, you know, a, a decade now, Dan Mullen, over a decade. And you, you can't have, you cannot have an adjustment to when you were struggling there on the offensive line. So, no, nah, I, I i don't think he was overlooking Kentucky. And that's maybe, uh, in, in either way, it's not an excuse. If you were overlooking them and you lost, okay, well, that—that uh, that, that's your fault. Uh, and how the game actually played out is is your fault starts at the top as well. Uh, no, I, I don't think he was overlooking Kentucky. I, I don't think it was. Let's, uh, uh, that team uh, undefeated coming in. That's uh, a game you needed to win. Uh, the team capable of beating you if you don't play your best, uh, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, so no, I, I don't think it was a. Uh, one of those, you know, when Mullen said last week, "Yeah, we'll put Emery in some uncomfortable situations see how he reacts." I, I don't know. I don't think it was that. I, I think you know, Mullen just went in there with a, a conservative approach uh, that got even more conservative as the game played along, and that that, that was your result.
11: Oof. All right, <laughs> uh, that's. A, I'll take it. <laughs> so, I mean, I just, I'm I'm left without words just because I was just as stunned as everybody else, but I also kind of saw it was possible. So I don't know. I mean. If anything could happen, I guess, for a season to end, Bob, what do you think would need to occur?
3: Um, now, look, uh, that's a good point. Uh, I said plenty of times before this season, like I didn't think Florida was winning the East. Uh, I didn't think you – know, I thought I was going to pick Georgia uh, there. Now, look, we got our hopes up a little bit after that Alabama, Alabama performance, and, right, and rightfully so. Uh, you, you should have. Uh, but then, you know, we get the inconsistent ball in here uh, in uh, this past week's game. Uh, what needs to happen? Uh, of course, you, you got you have to win the games you're supposed to win from here on out. You you can't have another one of those performances uh, that we saw this past Saturday. And but look, my my ultimate goal in saying if if Florida's not going to win the SEC East, which I didn't think they did, I need to feel great about 2022 at the end of the season, and that's still the goal for me. By the time this season ends, I need to feel good about going into next year. Uh, and that's going to be re- remain to be seen. Uh, of course, I think, uh, and I tweeted it yesterday. We, we look. No matter what Farta was doing this year, anyway, we knew, we we know the issues behind behind the scenes in the recruiting and the uh, lack of support in, in recruiting from the admin and spending money in that regard. That's got to get better. I mean, that's not fully on balling. Uh, there but you know he, he's got to take care of his part of that and and the admin and university's got to take care of their part of that, that that's got to come together uh as well uh you know some staff changes to to, to help in recruiting but also um you know we, uh, we always fall back on on john hevesy in the offensive line which had been playing well uh up to this point there but you know what staff changes can you make defensive coordinator comes to mind as well but you have to things aren't fine. You know, they, Things there, there are there is going to have to be an overhaul in some form or fashion behind the scenes. Uh, and we knew that no matter the success Florida was going to have this year, you know, there are some things that need to change. But uh, part of feeling better about 2022 is what happens on the field in 2021 and what's going to change, what's going to be different moving ahead to
11: 2022. Yeah, that's great. Bill Bormer, Terrell. I'll keep that. So I'll leave the floor open. But thanks again, Dave.
12: Thanks, man. morning dave hey man how you doing my man (laughs) (laughs) just trying to
3: yeah yeah some some group therapy the last couple days
12: oh for sure for sure i mean you know it's just those things right that you look you obviously you want to move forward right obviously it's not the result you wanted but at some point you got to realize man like once again here came an opportunity where you know what you had to do after you you know after you actually put up a fight against the number one team in the country, defending champions in the second half, you came back. Last week, first half, slow start. Second week, came back, total domination. To me, Dave, this, this game felt like you, you lost. Well, my apologies. My, my damn dog is getting okay. a little bit too, too. Yeah, she's getting too excited over here. Um, to me, the game was lost on Wednesday, man, right? Um, if this is your game plan, if this is what you prepped all week for, you know what I mean? It, it, just, yes. it just feels like it was lost from the get-go. And, you know, Anthony Richardson, we haven't seen him for two weeks, gets one snap in the second half. And then Emory Jones, once again, he's throwing the ball late like he did against USF. <laughs> it's just those things. That just It just feels like it was a bad loss at the wrong time. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, and man, you you brought up the, Abama, the Bama game. Look, and go, going into the season, we you know we expected that loss somewhat, and then you knew there was a there, there was the, a, a thin a, a thin line for margin a, a margin of error going moving forward because you knew the Bama game was likely going to going to be a loss because then you knew you had to turn it on for the rest of the season, uh, going up to the Georgia game. You couldn't have. You couldn't have that loss versus Kentucky. You couldn't have that loss to Missouri. If you wanted any chance of going to win the SEC East uh, and, and taking it uh, and taking it to Georgia and Jacksonville, so now, I mean, you're already two losses first week of October. It would take a miracle for Florida to be in Atlanta. You didn't want to be in in that position moving forward and, and going into Jacksonville. You you wanted that game to be the determining factor of who was going to go represent. Uh, the SEC East in Atlanta and that, that's not happening uh, but you knew uh, the, the margin of error was going to be very very slim when you have Alabama on the schedule it was one reason that we were all picking Florida in 2020 Look, well, we thought Florida was better than Georgia anyway in 2020 but Georgia also had Alabama and so you knew you had some pad you knew you, knew you had some cushion well Georgia you turn it around that's exactly the scenario we had in 2021 as well but you just flip it around. Florida had Alabama. Georgia had the easier schedule. And you were going to more than likely lose that game, but you were going to have to rebound and, and go get the win in Jacksonville and, and go on to have a successful season. And that's pretty much out of the window right now, partly because – Two losses. Florida isn't as good as we thought and you know Georgia's a really, really, really good football team uh, right now. One of the country, in, and no question, one of the country's best two teams. Alabama and Georgia separated themselves uh, this past two weeks. So it's going to take a miracle anyway based on your record, but also uh, to, to, to go in Jacksonville and get a win versus Georgia and then for them to go along, go, go along somewhere else this season and lose another game. It's not going to happen. So, uh, and, and if it does, we can all remember this and I'll look like an idiot in a few weeks, but Um, right now you look at what realistically will happen and what we realistically thought going into this season, you could not have this type of slip up. So, you know, the the prep, the the prep, you know, this, team wasn't prepared. Uh, I mean, I don't care how good practice was or what was told or how we were told good practice was this week. It didn't translate. It did not translate whatsoever. Didn't look prepared in, in one of the um, uh, games, most important aspects and, and penalties when you go on the road, have to take on a tough team. You, you, you've got to play good you know and we know the the, the, the tough competition that's been in Lexington lately uh, when you go and play that team and they were going to be ready look I expected a close game and Florida to pull away in the fourth quarter uh, with a late score a little bit and so so I I, I respect the Kentucky a good bear I thought it was going to be a tough game but you can't lose in that fashion and look, I mean I, I could ask you guys a question and you know maybe something we could would speak on would you would you feel better if it was a 30 to 20 loss? Uh, to Kentucky, you know, would you ha- had rather it looked like a game we maybe expected, where Todd Grantham can't get a stop, and uh, that, that that the Kentucky offense just runs roughshod over you, um, you know, or you know how, how how it played out. Either way, it's a loss. It doesn't really matter, but um, it just the the way it played out, the approach, the 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 look of lack of preparedness, uh, it doesn't sit well. Uh, it doesn't sit well. With uh, where you knew that the the margin of error for this year was, and uh, build, building uh building upon what you did last week or a couple weeks ago versus Alabama, you can't have that kind of performance going out there versus Kentucky. Hey Dave. Hey man. Hey yeah. Um,
13: I got I got. Uh, here's my take on the game, man. Um, me looking at the game, I um I do I feel like Dan could have been a little bit more aggressive. I do. But overall, when I watched, because I um I missed the game Saturday and I got a chance to watch it Sunday. Okay. And from what I saw, we missed a lot of opportunities out That was like, I'm I'm put both, I'm gonna put the blame on both of the players, and we probably say Dan yeah. as well. But yeah. I really got to put it on their execution. If you think about a lot of those false starts, those were on first downs. Like we got first downs and got false starts. Like it a lot of stuff got halted based on those false starts, even that, even that field goal drive. We got a first yeah. down on that fourth down, on that fourth down drive, but then it was a false start. Um, I don't know what we could do as far as like with crowd. I don't I don't know the the uh the coaching scheme or what you do in practice to prevent against the crowd, but that's what I feel like that was one of the main issues. The scheme, when I watch it, you know, um looking at the scheme, you know, I feel like it was conservative, but I do feel like Emory missed a lot of plays as well. Because yeah. even though we were being conservative, we were moving the ball. So you know, you know, I know a lot of people were saying like they didn't like the draws we was doing but you getting 5 6 yards on the run that's what you want when you when you run the ball you know what i'm saying so you know outside of those you you take those you know um you take those penalties away we probably get a lot more points than what what really showed up out there those penalties really is what really killed us out there when you think about uh, uh I'm thinking about, like, uh, one of the guys mentioned about Emory on the interception. Like you say, he looked to the other side, he had Malik, and he had Wells pretty much like almost on a high-low situation. Well, if he just looked to the side, he could have hit Malik, and really the linebacker was about to drop on Malik, and he could have hit Wells, and that probably would have been a touchdown. The next drive, he gets flushed out. I want It might have been that, yeah, the next drive, he gets flushed out on the wheel route where somebody, where he gets flushed out, the wheel route was wide open for a TD. Even on the last drive, we still could have scored. Copeland, knee hits the ground. And then yep. we get we gets that took away. And then what happens? Two back-to-back false starts. Mm-hmm. Then not only that, we still had a chance to score. I don't know what they see out there. You know, it's, it, you know, it's easy for us to see from the TV stands. So I don't know part of like how it looks at Emory's helmet. But like you say, Gamble calls right. I think that was Gamble. He crawls right across his face wide over for a TD. And he throws that over there to Whitmore. You know, so it's like, ah. Yeah, he, 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 he had decided where he was going with that ball yeah. before, before it even snapped. It's one of the things that's like I'd be wanting, you know, you, you I'd be wanting to point at my coach sometimes, and then sometimes I look at the game, I'm looking at him, I'm just like,
3: Yeah. And that's the type of things that's going to happen in, in a game like that. You're, you're going you're gonna to end up pointing to both sides. All right? Yeah, and yeah. That's uh, a, a, a consistency issue. You know, you'll, you'll go. And look, I mean, Ultimately, it does fall on coaching, of course. You know, that's your mm-hmm. guy. You know, when you have, what, 15, 15, 15. penalties uh, yeah, for 115 yards and um, the eight false starts, six of those were on third or fourth down, kind of going to your point there. You know, mm-hmm. so they came at exactly the wrong time. I mean, look, there's not a good time for it. Uh, but third and fourth down, you know, that's uh, – you, you can't you can't have that happen. Uh, but, you know, the, so you, you have to make an adjustment there uh, along the way. But like you said, they, they were still – the chances you still had a chance at the end of the game uh to, 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 to make a play and win. Uh you had two two drives at the end of the game where you didn't score a touchdown one time, settled for a field goal the first time. Uh and yeah, I think well on that drive you were gonna go for it on fourth and one, but you yeah, you had the penalty, so you end up kicking the field goal, uh and then no really shot in the end zone on those last eight plays of the game. Uh so uh, it's a, it's a combination, yeah. man. That's what that's what makes it so frustrating.
13: I'm gonna make you laugh, man, about the personnel. I just I just feel like this is the last year. <laughs> once once this year, I feel like all our explosive players gonna fall in place. Like I, I'm looking at the roster, I'm like please. I was like, you know, I I like every, but you know, yeah, I'm I'm gonna ride with him, I'm still gonna roll with him until the season. You know, cause I, you know we already know how Mullin is. He'll he'll let him brain the ship down before he before he change the captain. He'll let him sink the ship fully. So <laughs> but, uh, I just you know uh, with the players that we got, you know, I'm, you know uh, I, that's one of the things I do I do hate by Dan parts that with that seniority. But I you know I'm like man, we could just get through this season. Hopefully we don't we can win. Well, you know, hopefully we can win that, which include being Georgia. But yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, that would be the best scenario. I think all of us would want to happen. I, 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 and, I feel and, –
3: and, Yeah, and I'll, and I'll go to your point there, man, before you, before you wrap up. I mean, a lot of people have already asked It's the first week of the season, the first week of October of the season. So, wh- wh- what are you playing for? So, the whole seniority thing, the whole playing more experience thing, why now? You know, why, why should that be the plan from here on out? And a lot, a lot of people are already considering it a lost season because you're not – you know, we're going to win the win the SEC East more than likely. Uh, so you have Vanderbilt, you have LSU, a bye week, Georgia. You know, do you make the change at quarterback to see what you have there to get him ready to get the the, the experience? I mean, more than likely, I you know, I still think you play both uh, right, mm-hmm. right now, and I, I he's he's not going to start Anthony Richardson. I kind of we know that, and you know, I think part of, part of my. You know, what What should happen? What is he going to do? I'm kind of always fall back on what I think the coaches will do, that that plays into my decision, plays into my thoughts a little bit. And as you said, we kind of know what but what Mullen's MO is. But I think there's no question you have to get AR more game reps. Got you know? to. And, 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 uh, so, yeah, you, you're probably rolling with Emory as, as a starter. But I do think right now you should start seeing more split reps. You should start seeing uh, getting some younger guys on the field, working them in. We'll probably see it this week versus Vanderbilt anyway. Who knows how it will play out versus LSU in a couple of weeks when it is a more serious game, a, more, uh, a game that you can, can, can lose more so. Uh, in fashion, than, than versus Vanderbilt this week. So, I wouldn't take whatever we see versus Vanderbilt this week as, as a inclination. Of, okay, yeah, he's going to change. He's going to play more young guys. No, that's going to play out because Vanderbilt's sorry anyway. And, you know, you're going to go play some young guys. <laughs> so, you know, it, we, I don't think we'll really get a feel for what Dan Bullen will change, what he will do till Florida travels to Baton Rouge in a couple of weeks. I, listen, this is my close. I
13: hope every senior, junior red shirt that's supposed to leave. That we have a, a, a young guy back there that got some good potential. I hope that senior leaves. So that I mean, I need Emery to go. I need I need Davis. All to please get on out of here. I love y'all. You know, it's been real. Y'all gave us some good years. But I got to see Bowman in them now. We got <laughs> and Wright. I want to see Bowman, Wright, and uh, and Lingard with, with AR. I, I I want to see that
3: right there. <laughs> well, hopefully, That's... hopefully we get
13: hopefully
3: we get the preview of that this weekend. Yes, sir. Thanks for hopping in, man.
14: Hey Dave. Hey Rob. So, going back to what someone said earlier about the lack of juices flowing, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at our offensive line week to week, and I just see our right side being blown up. And you know, there's adjustments that are being made and everything. And I see that our, you know our quarterback. You know, we're still doing conservative game plan, like you said. Um, I just want to know, like, how does this affect? the recruits and the guys that are under, you know, the starters that are not, you know, playing up to the standard, you know, we're keeping them for seniority, you know, starting, you know, how does that affect us going forward? You know I mean? I just thank God that Anthony Richardson, you know, loves Florida because, you know, he's doing great things when he gets on the field, you know, and, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, he's going to come on and, you know, go crazy. You know, and all that, you know, if they gave him a starting role. But all I'm saying is, you know, it just looks different. You know, players look juiced up. They're getting through the the routes, you know. You know, it just looks completely different. So I just wonder if we don't make that change, you know, what does that look like? Do we just go down the road, you know, and lose, you know, four more potentially that we shouldn't? I hope not. <laughs> but, you know, what what does that look like, you know?
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, a, lot, a lot of people do want to see "quote unquote" a youth movement for that reason. Uh, you know, show that young, show show young players that they can get playing time uh, at Florida. But that's not necessarily been the, the way Mullen has done things. And you know, maybe that speaks to recruiting in a way, saying, "Okay, well, you come here. You're, I'm going to give you every chance to go prove yourself before I pull you uh, off the field." Maybe that speaks uh, in some positive form or fashion uh, as well. So. Um, yeah, but that, that, that's on the staff. That's on the, the, the recruiting staff to go out there and sell on the trail, which we know they're not
8: right. great
3: slash elite at at, at doing so. Uh, right. And you, you've been able to to rely on the transfer portal to make up for that in, in some form or fashion. But um, as far as looking at recruits and you know them seeing uh, if they can come in and play early, that is it's a legit worry. Uh, I, I yes, think it, I think I think it does play into it a little bit on the recruiting trail. I think it's probably used against uh, Mullen a little bit. Because, I mean, think about it. Since he's been here now, a lot of it's been because you've had some really good receivers uh, and, and some good running backs uh, and a, a style of offense that didn't necessarily lend itself to running the ball the last couple of years. But and but you, you've had a lot of veteran guys. Uh, but it's still, you, you haven't seen that true freshman come in and make an impact uh right away uh that was something urban meyer was able to do and okay i hate falling back on that of course it's yeah it's 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 not a great (laughs) it's not not a great comparison it's not it's not going to happen we know that that's one of the best to ever do it uh in college football one of the best to ever do it in florida uh of course but you know does not just seem it doesn't seem to be in mullen's playbook to get young guys involved hardly at all he'll get them on the field but those guys don't contribute at a at a high level. And like I said, at wide receiver the last few years, you can understand that. I mean you couldn't yeah. ask for more for Ben Jefferson, Freddie Swain, Tyree Cleveland and and, and and Hammond and uh Pitts and Tony and Grimes. I mean you, the you boys played, were loyal. You, yeah, you, and you played the right guys in that situation. So, I'm not sitting here and saying that you go and, and play freshman just because you got to go make a point to young guys. I mean, you, you do what you had to do to win games in that regard. But, um, you know, you just you, you just haven't had that
14: impact freshman and they could really go point out and say, hey, this could be you. Right, right, right. I guess uh last question I have is uh, I guess someone said earlier about, like, the dogs on the defense. You know, the last one. Um, you know that came from that group was ventrell you know obviously got hurt sad news but like what like what well, he said like where are they? you know what I mean like I see guys and i'm I'm looking at our players all across the field you know just per, you know their facial expression body movement and it's like you know uh one over uh, one overpass you know if Emory you know overpasses it or you know he doesn't get it off or something you know you just see guys they're just like first quarter three minutes in they're just like you know walking around with their head down. And I just don't understand it. You know, is there something going on we we aren't seeing? You know, I just you know these guys on the you know you know them for social media and everything. You know, these guys that don't play like that. So what are, you know? What is going on? I don't I don't understand. Some juice is flowing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean we, we want
3: to see that when the team's struggling, of course, and, and seeing like there's some passion and fire. Like I said, it, that that's something that's very hard to measure. You know, it's it's something you can see, uh, but not necessarily how. How effective is it, positively or negatively? I yeah I don't know. Um, I think I think we can see. It. I think we we definitely want to see that kind of fire. Uh, but you know h- how much of a difference it actually makes, and, and how much are we actually seeing? It, uh, that's kind of kind of hard uh, to go by. But uh, yeah, we would like to see it, of course. Everybody, yeah,
14: man, we need some dogs. <laughs> yeah, everybody
3: compares, you know, the whole you know Tebow and the clapping and the firing up the fan base and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you know, it just doesn't. That doesn't seem to be the the personality of this team, um, in, in in that regard. Right.
14: Thank you. Thanks, man.
3: All right.
15: Hey, Dave. I just wanted to speak on the EJ and Mullen type situation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I think. Mullins can kind of a bad rap for the conservative play calling because I think he just doesn't trust EJ. Uh, I mean, look at, uh, his, uh, yards per, you know, pass per throw, like it's 6.4 and his average, uh, you know, rush is 6.3. Like you can literally run him as much as he's throwing. And I think Mullen's done a very good job of like, you know, masking EJ's, you know, kind of not great ability to throw down the field. And, um, the kind of thing that happened with Kentucky was we couldn't run the ball as, as much as we have been like, look at our rushing, you know, you know, look at our rushing yards, uh, you know, the first, uh, four games or whatever, um,
3: Right, like yeah, I said that earlier. It is a slippery slope to call it conservative when you've been running the ball like you have been. I mean, it's it, it can look conser- look conservative on the surface, uh, but you know who who's going to blame Dan Mullen for trying to go out there and run the ball uh, with the way this team has been running? Uh, but I I can I, I you point to uh, with you know Mullen and the play calling because if some of the deep deep balls are there, and I, as I said earlier, Emery's not pulling the trigger on them. Uh, you do have guys open down the field, and Emory's not pulling the trigger or not seeing them. Uh, you know, so it's not the fully on Mullen for the conservative approach uh, uh, altogether. For I, 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 sure, I, 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 I do feel you on that.
15: Yeah, no, for sure. Like, um I feel like what Mullen's doing a f- fantastic job, like scripting plays for EJ because he absolutely knows what EJ can do, and like what he's scripting is you know dump offs and like under 15 yards you know first read options you know like um he's allowing ej to just like throw like you know under 10 yards under 15 yards and like that's what he wants to do and whenever ej has to like you know work through the progressions and stuff like that it's not working out and i feel like mullen's like feeling that kind of heat and
3: yeah, yeah be, I get there, and, and and Gator Ryan, he's still in here. He and I have kind of talked about that too. It's just okay. Then why is your fourth fourth year quarterback not ready for that? Then I mean, that that that's that's probably the bigger question and bigger picture question. You you got a fourth year quarterback not going through his progressions, not throwing the ball down the field, and we laud Dan Mullen for quarterback development and all that. And right now you're. You're having to be conservative because your your quarterback's not testing the ball down the field, and you're and you're running the ball well. Of course, you you can fall back on that. Uh, so I think you know the next thing for this offense is to figure out what you can do when the run game's not there. Uh, you know you can be caught by surprise a little bit, I guess, because it had been working so so well. Uh, so now it's just about adjustments and, and building on you know taking taking learning lessons uh, throughout the season. All right, well you, you learned the lesson Saturday night. Your run game wasn't where it needed to be. Uh, you had to overcome some penalties. Uh, so, you know, what can you do now to when, when, the, when the going gets tough? You know, you got you got a whole Saturday night worth of game feeling there to figure out, okay, what can you do now to, to still try and get something out of the offense? And, and as I said, that's one reason I, I know Anthony Richardson wasn't the explosive player we saw the first couple of weeks. You maybe even could call that a little tentative as well but maybe that's where you just give him a little more snaps in the second half to see if he can bust one of those big plays. And, and you know, it, the, the potential's there. He's about he's about the only player who's shown it this year where he can score from 80 yards away. And I know this isn't USF. And I know it's not FAU, but – you have a baseline to go by. You have something to go by. They're saying that, that at least that potential is there. So maybe that's the change. And it's the same. Maybe get some of the younger guys on the field that have that home run ability. An Anthony Richardson, a Lingard, a Bowman. Maybe that's the change you see. If the run game's not working, you still got to go find a way to get that explosive play.
15: Yeah, exactly. That's kind of how I feel. Like, you know, with AR, it's... You know a different story like he he barely even got a chance like they'd throw him in for like one two plays and then they they literally do like quarterback draw that was kind of like delayed you know like it, it was it was bad like and people were like oh ar didn't look good it's like they he didn't even get a chance really he was,
3: he was a little clunky there.
15: yeah um for sure and it's especially with like ej like you can just tell his downfield perception is not good. I mean, like, as you said, like, with the Kentucky guy, like, trailing, like, he literally stared that guy down the entire way. And then look at the Whittemore, uh, like, uh, on the fourth and goal, like, he should have had that touchdown. Like, if he put a little touch on that pass, that's a touchdown almost nine out of ten times. Like, Trask would have definitely had that.
3: Yeah, and I think you can throw it to the back of the end zone with a little bit of touch to gamble as well on on that same exact. He was wide.
15: Like the whole back of that end zone was wide. Like the whole back of that end zone was wide. And he just decided to throw it on a rope for no reason. Like there, it was, I literally jumped up and was like, that's overtime right there. But thank you.
3: Thanks, man. All right, a few more of you getting in here and then I'll call it a wrap. What's up, Eddie? Uh, you there? It says your speaker's on, but I don't see you. You may have Manta
2: hop back in. What's up, crush time? Dave, how's it going, brother? Doing good, doing good. You know what? I, I usually ask from a from an injury standpoint how the team came out, but just from what, what I'm hearing, especially from the fan base, how how does the team sound after after that loss to Kentucky? Is it where we're gonna see here's what I don't wanna see for Florida fans. I don't wanna see what we saw from LSU last year where that team just went into the tank and never came out. So just from a from a gauge standpoint, does this team look like they're gonna be on solid foot until where they're gonna finish out the season or is it just in complete shutdown mode? Uh
3: I Hard to tell right now. I mean, you can really only go by what they say in post game, and all we all from <laughs> was Emory, Emory Jones and Zachary Carter, and uh, seemed okay. I mean, they're saying the right things. Uh, you, we'll see how they put it together <laughs> on, on the practice field this week. And, you know, probably it's probably a good thing you got Vanderbilt this week. Um, you know, you go and and go play, and I mean, just just go play, and you know, this this was going to linger in the fan base for a little while. You know, Vanderbilt's not going to get anybody excited or anything like that, so the right. talk's going the talk is going to stay out there. Uh, but, you know, that, that's up on the, you know, how much belief they have in this coaching staff, how much they trust this coaching staff, how much they want to play for this coaching staff, how much they want to play for each other. Uh, I mean, you had some guys coming back. You had Pierce and Davis and Zachary Carter and
8: you mm-hmm. know, guys
3: that have been around the program for years now. Uh, it's, uh, it's up on those guys uh, to, to get this team ready, motivated, and, and go finish out the season. Look, You never know what can happen. Uh, you know, you you've got to keep that in mind as well. I know the big goals are very, very, very slim for Florida this year. Uh, mm-hmm. At least the at least the ultimate goal is, uh, but you know the the, the, the chances of that were, were slim to slim to begin with. Uh, right. But you never know what can happen in the SEC right now. You got to at least keep that open, that door, you know, cracked a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. but this, yeah, this, yeah you're right I mean we, we, we don't know uh, honestly uh, we'll get to talk to Mullen and the players today uh, honestly I could care less what they say uh, it's more about what you go do on Saturday uh, well, right. you know, especially this week in practice preparing for Saturday uh, and you know you basically you basically get two weeks to prepare for LSU you know you, you can go out there and run the ball 60 times against Vanderbilt Saturday and that'd be enough to, to walk out of there with a the victory. Um, no matter how well you're ready to play or what, whatever, it's just kind of the status of this game. Uh, so it's, uh, it, it is all about responding and, you know, to me, just kind of tough to forecast so what, what, what it means and you know, on that part of it.
2: And I'll say this. And before I get out of here, fantastic job this week, uh, Dave, um, uh, with all the interviews and everything getting ready for this game, um, uh, the LSU game will, will say a lot about yeah. where this program is because, as bad as Florida fans feel about where their team is right now, trust me, what's going on in Baton Rouge is a thousand times worse.
3: <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, and, and
2: it's another road game for
3: Florida. So whatever you had as the all the problems this past Saturday night in Kentucky, well, you know, you you, you got two weeks to get that fixed. Absolutely, uh, you know, absolutely, absolutely no reason. And we'll be able to tell a lot about that team if they come out and it looks any kind of similar to all the false starts and all that kind of stuff there. Next, and then, all uh, right, then you then you got a bigger problem, uh, right? And uh, so we'll we'll see where it is in that regard. But you you basically got two weeks to get ready for Baton Rouge uh, Saturday, and that's getting ready for the LSU team just in just in general and getting mm-hmm. ready for another and, and getting ready for another road environment where you can't have the
2: performance that you had this past Saturday. Absolutely. Good luck to your Gators this uh this coming up coming up week.
8: Thanks, man. All right.
10: Hey, Dave. Hey, Nick. Hey, one one other thing, you know, I was sitting here thinking, man, about the Emory and and AR situation. You know, it was it was similar to. Uh, Auburn over there with Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood. Gus would not play Gatewood, you know, and and Bo Nix was doing horrible that his first year. Wasn't doing great. But the thing about it was, if he played Gatewood, then he was going to have to field a lot of questions if Gatewood would have came out there and played well. Same thing with Felipe and Trask. If Felipe wouldn't have got hurt, we wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have won the game in Kentucky and wouldn't have knew nothing about trash. And then Dan's been filling questions this year about AR and EJ. I think Dan's just so arrogant and stubborn that he's going to try to pull, prove everybody wrong. So I don't think AR is going to get the start this year. Or, you know, it's just going to have a bad look on Mullen if AR comes in and start lighting it up.
3: Yeah, well, hey, I am going to tell you, part of that's on Mullen. I mean, going into when we finally got media sessions, you know, a month before the season, and almost every week, we would either just be talking about Emory, or just, or just in general. And that that Muller would bring up AR by himself, and yeah. A lot of the AR and how he was playing and all that. So some of that he brought on himself, uh, by, by 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 bringing up uh, Richardson and how he was playing all throughout fall camp. And, and I'm not blaming Mo for that. I mean, I, I'm glad he did and he said, you know, okay, here here's what we have. Here's another quarterback who's playing well. But I'm just saying a lot of it's brought on because of. Um, Mullen preseason how he was talking about the quarterback position as well
10: yeah yeah absolutely and, uh, and I guess my question to you would be also Dave what do you think the mentality is with some of these younger kids that's not getting to play now and knowing that you know you've lost two games now and you're not getting in and you feeling you can make a difference what do you think their mindset is um, you know after that Kentucky's loss.
3: I mean I, I hope either way I want young guys to feel like they can feel they can go out there and make a difference uh now i don't want it to become a locker room problem or anything and, and force yeah. issues and, and all that kind of stuff but I, if you're a young guy i hope you feel like you can go out there and make a difference that's what that's what i want uh i know lorenzo lingard's frustrated uh I've yeah had, i've yeah. had some people reach out to me and i mean i look i know it's been on social media a little bit too you deleted some posts but uh-huh. uh it's been a little more behind the scenes of him just wanting to play uh, yeah. and, it's, <laughs> and, and, and it's not a locker room problem or anything like that it's just he He's voicing some frustration of not being able to play, uh, and so and I completely get it. Uh, absolutely, I mean I'm a, a five star running back, and I, I, I transferred here. I uh, thought I'd be able to play. I get it. I absolutely get it. And maybe maybe Vanderbilt this week is a is a is a is a way for those guys to get some playing time. Now, look, you could have asked me before the season, and I never would have thought you played three SEC games and Lingard but we don't have a carry. I, would have, I never would have saw that coming, never would have predicted it. And most of it you got, you would overlook because the run game was working. It was like, well, okay, well, you, you see what's working. You see what's happening, okay. Uh, but now as we see uh, the offense be somewhat limited in the run game versus Kentucky the other night, okay, oh, well, mate, mate, you need that home run type of ball. and mm-hmm. you know, this, These are the guys that might – we don't know for sure if they can bring it to the table or not. And we're not at practice and seeing what these coaches see. And I know we can always fall back on that. Uh, we don't get to see and know everything. But, you know, yeah, you'd like to see some some work in there of trying to get an explosive when the offense is, uh, you know, just trying to have to put play after play after play after play, after play together to get a score.
10: Yeah, absolutely, David. like you said, like you mentioned many times before, hey, if it's a problem with them not knowing the offense or pass protection or whatever, like you said, you got to at least have a package for them, you know, to at least get a few touches.
3: Yeah, and especially because, look, there's not a lot of film on those guys. So it's not like right now you're giving away what they can do. I mean, mm-hmm. if, you, if you put one out there right now in a package, how are you going to defend it? There's not enough tape out there to know if DeMarcus women can't pass block. There's not enough tape out there to know if Lorenzo Lingard can't pass block. Mm-hmm. You, could at, you could at least surprise in that way right now until those guys are out there put enough on tape and you know their tendencies – uh, yeah. But that, that's the, that's the advantage you have right now by not, you know, by, by those guys not playing. Uh, but when, it, or if, is it going to happen?
10: Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Then Dave, I appreciate that.
3: Now, Eddie, you back in here. See if the, your mic works now. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Got you. Good.
16: Awesome. Hey, thanks for the vine. I really appreciate it. Um, first, I, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I wanted to bring to the conversation. No one's mentioned it yet. Um, I thought Mark Stoops did an amazing job lobbying for calls. I don't know. If, <laughs> like, did did you guys see or see the difference in the in the officiating after he thought they missed on that? Uh, uh you know, I guess that pass interference. Uh, right away, they called a phantom block in the back on Valentino. I couldn't believe yeah. it. I, I literally rewinded it, and he's hitting him right in the front of the jersey. But that ended up costing us right there. I mean, we would have yeah. been right there first and goal. Um, yeah. And that, that was I, and uh, that was all on Mark Supes. He, I, I was like, is he about to get tossed out of the game? I mean, he got so violent with the officiating that they felt the need to make up the call, and they made it up right when we would have been right at the end zone. And that really crushed us. And, uh, again, that played into the somewhat conservative play call with, you know, with time, you know, uh, time ending in the first half. If that happens that way and they are not making up that call, then the conservative play game plan probably is working. Uh, because we score that touchdown, we go up 10 points uh, on the interception, and, uh, and then that happens. And then right after that, they called a phantom hold. Yep. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're crushing us right now. And I, I was, I kept saying, Mark Stoops, man, he he lobbied for it, and they listened to him. And my whole thing was, man, I wish we would have been fired up about those crappy calls because that really cost us in the third quarter. I was like, my gosh, they're they're literally they're making it so there were seven calls. I'd say about three of them were not even questionable. They were outright just lies. I was like, that is the go back and look at the Valentino block in the back. It'll shock you be like, I can't believe he called that, you know, that way. But I just wanted to bring that to the conversation. I believe everyone has the right to express themselves, you know. So, you know, you know we're Gator Nation. We expect to win. Uh, we expect to win in, you know, very uh, stylish fashion. And, uh, you know, everybody's heartbroken. But, uh, you know, hopefully we rally behind our guys this Saturday. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of season left, too. I mean, you know, we, we, we lost more than two games last year. But, uh, but you know, there's a lot of season left, a lot of opportunity to turn this thing around. And from what I saw in the Alabama game, even though it was a loss, I feel like we have the horses to actually win. We definitely, hopefully this inspires people to get more fired up and, you know, guys take ownership of the rest of the year. And you never know, let's play it out. Um, I'm not about cashing in the season at all. Maybe it's because I let up a lot of home runs in my baseball days when I was a pitcher. Florida. <laughs> but, you, you know, you got you to gotta pick yourself up and get after it again. But uh, I appreciate the Vine for sure.
3: Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, there was definitely a, a difference in uh, the, the the referees and, and the calls uh, after Stoops got on them. Um, and, you know, and m- m- most of the calls you couldn't argue because of the false start. You saw those, but the questionable calls, the upper interpretation type of calls, uh, were certainly there from the for, for, from the officials, uh, and especially to getting a, a lot more called on them after that. Uh, look, I, I I thought you know speaking of penalties there and. Uh, the false starts there. I thought Florida got away with a lot of them toward the beginning of the game. I was, you know, we were talking in the Discord, Gators Breakdown Plus Discord chat room, and I was like, okay, well, the Lads probably could have been called for two or three false starts before they really started calling them on Florida, so I thought Florida was getting away with them there. Uh, Look, the refs missed that targeting call in Kentucky as well. That was, to me, I I don't know how much more of a definition you need of targeting there in the first half of... uh, uh, that game, and I know Stoops was all ticked off about the, the pass interference calls, and that's when he got on the rail So I was like, well, you, you probably forget you got away with a targeting call there in the first half of that game as well. Uh, so it maybe may ended up all working out in some kind, some form or fashion uh, there, especially the ones where you can't argue in, in, in Florida there. But uh, there, there was certainly uh, a difference once Mark, once Mark Stoops went after the officials. All right. I'm trying to get a couple more in here before we go. Let's
4: see. All right. Bull Gator and – yep, you in here, man. And prayers. Hey, Dave, I had a question, man. Yeah, man. What do you think the likely scenario is if we win out that we are sitting somewhere and, like, rank five to kind of make the playoffs even though we don't go to the sec championship because i've seen a lot of posts saying you know win out make the make the playoffs it, and i don't know if you you went over this already but what are the chances you think that happens if we win out
3: yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk the if right there if i mean you okay we're, you're counting a uh, counting big win over georgia in that if you win out so i can uh certainly speak to uh, uh, you know, the committee there at the end. Uh, you'll see what, uh, what Kentucky does the rest of the season. That will probably come into play uh, right. as well in some regard. Uh, look, it's a, it's a weird college football season right now besides Alabama and Georgia. Uh, you right. know, uh, those two teams have separated themselves. Uh, Oregon goes down. Ohio State already has a loss. You know, a lot of the teams that you were looking at or have looked at in years past, Clemson's not going to be there. Uh, right. Any chance with, with – I mean – Maybe. Maybe there's a, a crack in the door uh, right there with just and the way and the wackiness of this college football season. Uh, you have right. to think um, number of SEC teams come into play if Alabama and Georgia are playing for the SEC championship game. Um, and however the rest of the season plays out, uh, how many spots are Alabama and Georgia potentially taking? And then I doubt you'd be a third SEC team in that regard. Right, uh, so you'd probably have to beat Georgia and hope they have another loss along the way
4: for two losses. Uh, but you know, but, Sadie, but if we if we beat if we beat Georgia, but Georgia makes the title game and lose to Alabama, that gives them two losses right there. Yeah,
3: right. That, that would have to be that's what, that was exactly where I was going to go next. That would okay. have to have to be how it would play out. Cause you you couldn't have them their only loss to Florida get to the SEC championship game and then beating Alabama because then that right. would that would take farther out of it. You know, you, then you, you you give the playoff to Alabama and Georgia uh, in that gotcha. regard. So that, that that's that's your path, uh, as difficult as it sounds. Okay.
4: <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like – I mean, I saw those tweets but I'm like, nah, that ain't – there's no way that's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, that's all I want to add. Appreciate your time, Dave. Go Gators.
0: Right. Go Gators, man. Hey, get Hey, Dave. Well, uh, you know, not. To me, to jump on uh, the bandwagon of bashing our coach, but I I want to stick up for Emery Jones, who's a guy that I have not been too high on. But <laughs> if you go if you go back and look at his stats, especially in the first half, he played pretty well. That's I mean, why he, I was taken off at the end of the first half. He was <laughs> I, I know the
3: downfield passing wasn't where there, but he was he was playing it safe, and you know there were some intermediate throws there where I at least thought you could have got in the field goal range.
0: Ten or ten out of eleven, you know. Yeah, they can't ask for money Where he was, he was. Even if you took at some of the bad plays, head and shoulders better than the Kentucky quarterback. it wasn't oh, yeah. close, right? And but as they say, the quarterback is the most important player on the offense because he touches the ball every play. He's not the only player on the offense that touches the ball every play. The center does, <laughs> and I don't want to jump on Kingsley. I know, I know. But after the second or third false start, something needed to be done. Yes, I mean either go to a silent count, change the cadence, which I don't know if you noticed, but the cadence was the exact same throughout the game. Hut. Yeah. Clap, clap. How the how he couldn't get that was beyond me. I, I and I don't I don't. I know
3: I know we wondered how this team would react on the road, and there were some young players who hadn't played on the road yet.
0: Kingsley was one of them. And but the, but not that I don't
3: I don't think that's a full excuse,
0: but. It but isn't there. that up to the coaches, either yes. Mullen or Hevesy, to say something's got to change? We got either we got to pull him out because yep. he, he's he's obviously freaking out in, in this hostile environment, or we got to change the sap count. We got to do something, and they never did. Yeah, and that's I think, why. I Don't you, really want to jump on Kingsley? That's on the coaches.
3: It is. It is, and, I, and going to that point, I think we've seen Florida come up with some depth on the, along, along the offensive line, and maybe just to even settle him down, take him out, move Ethan over to center. I mean, White, White didn't have a good game either um, when you go and look at it. Uh, but, you know, maybe move him to center, see if he can get it calmed down, even to at least taking Kingsley out for a drive to calm him down, get some things figured out uh, along the way. But, yeah, maybe, maybe just a shuffling for at least a drive uh, to, to settle him down, figure out what's going wrong. Um, but you know, could you, you, you've proven there's some depth there this year, so I think you could have at least tried it. I know this is all hindsight, but uh, you're, you're right. I think uh, once you saw that, that, that problem at center, it really – like I said, I think it affected the whole offense. I don't think the offensive line felt comfortable all that long. I think it affected their, their firing off the ball, uh, getting, you know, making their assignments. Uh, like I said, I thought Eason, Eason probably had his worst game as well. Uh, and I think it all just kind of came in uh, to really just messing up that snap count.
0: Yeah, I I think the whole thing, and I, I don't want to blame the players. But I blame the coaches in this. I, I have a feeling that UF went into the game without taking it either too seriously or, or seriously enough. I think uh, it, it seems as if Coach Mullen moves his attention from to the next big game. Like, before we played Bama, Bama was our number one focus. Now that that is a tough team, where maybe he was looking on to LSU or Georgia. But whereas on the other side of the field, Stoops, no, hope not. Kentucky's a good enough team. If you're not going to play your best, they'll beat you. It doesn't. Well, it look, didn't look like they were. They went up there with that mindset. Yeah. Whereas Stoops looks at this game the same way Florida used to look at UGA, uh, Georgia in the eighties. Oh, yeah, no, sure. we, we we were there. Georgia was our Super Bowl. We weren't winning anything. So it, the whole thing, the our the cheer, you know, get up and go, go Gators, beat Georgia was the end of that year. Didn't matter who we were playing. All we wanted to do was beat Georgia. Now with the record that Florida has against Kentucky, we are their Super Bowl. And you got and you got to give Stoops credit. His defense in that game was pretty amazing. And not just the way they played, but the the alignments, it confused the hell out of Emory. And Anthony Richardson, when he got in, didn't know what was going on. And that I give that credit to to Mark Stoops. He is a defensive guy and his defense was on that game.
3: Yeah, uh, they really control. They really had an emphasis on stopping Emory running the ball. That that was definitely part of it. Uh, they really played that well. Uh, look, and I'll even tell you, you know, I'll speak to your point. There was a Kentucky fan, I think, who did uh, jump into the comment section on the YouTube video yesterday, and he he, he even said it. And I know we've said it all week. He said that was our Super Bowl. I mean, that is that is exactly how they view that game, as you said. Uh, and, and and taking down one of the one of the big dogs for whatever reason we can't get them to feel that way about Georgia I don't know why maybe they think they just have more of a chance against Florida <laughs> but uh, uh, they, they never help us out when we need it it seems to be the case but uh, um, but yeah that's exactly the the way they look at it and yeah I think their players look at it the same way too they they ha- they have for whatever reason they have some confidence when they play Florida.
0: Well, what are the, they? We've beaten them 35 out of 35 yeah. years. We've beaten them. They've beaten us three times. So that's probably yeah. why they've beaten Georgia a lot more than they've beaten us. Yeah. So And that, that's got to be the reason. But the thing is, that needs to somehow be told to Dan Mullen. Yeah. Hey, Dan, these guys hate us. We yep. need to go in there. And re- this is not the same team that's, that you saw on the film against Chattanooga or Missouri. This is going to be that times two. So don't go in there assuming, oh, we got this, which is, from my opinion, and I am i don't know, I, from my observation, we were not as into that game as even we were against Tennessee. It's as if we were going half speed. And you can't do that on the road in the SEC unless you're playing Vanderbilt. And that's what got me so frustrated. I was talking to my wife during the game, and uh, I said, we're not going to win. Unless there's something dramatic in this game, we're just going to screw up enough to lose. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't do enough to win. We did enough to lose. Yeah, which is uh, which is denigrating Kentucky, and I apologize to any Kentucky fan who might be listening in, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's how I feel because it's not like they were moving the ball. It's not like they were doing anything. Yeah. It was just our constant mistakes. And that guy who commented about the officials was 100% right. There was – I don't care. Fifteen penalties. I've, some of those false starts were pretty on the line, and I've seen that being overlooked. Hell, they were overlooked in this game in the early part. Yeah, but there were some non calls against Florida, like the targeting. I mean, yep. those kind of call, missed calls take away scores, and as you in this game, one score was the difference.
4: Oh,
3: anyway, yep. Thanks, yep. Dave. Thanks, man. All right, one more. Get Demetri in here, if he's still out, if he's still there, maybe the last one. Let's see it connecting. Demetri, you in here, man? I'm trying to get you in here. Hey, man. Good morning.
6: Good morning. Man. I, I, for one, one morning, I man. want I want to first off and say, like, man, can we please have like uh, a mod black come be our defensive back coach? I mean, partially just for tackling or something like that, because. How do you let the <laughs> smallest guy on the field, I mean, it looked like Kaderis. Out there, man, we diving at his ankles. I mean, our leader, supposed to be leader in the secondary, comes up and dive at a guy that's like 145 pounds. Diving at his ankles. Like, our secondary tackling is one of the biggest issues that like, we have. Not only that, our play calling on defense, these guys are getting six, seven yards to pop up the middle. Like, why are we not pressuring the middle on defense? Why are we not making defensive adjustments? Because it just looked like, and I know we have some five-sides on our transfers and this, that, and third. Their O-line was dominating our defensive line, man, throughout the game, man. I don't know what anybody else saw, but that was the main key to me. Like, Every first down, you're getting six, seven yards of pop. And I'm sitting here like, i we going to make any adjustments. Are we going to put some linebackers stuff the middle? And we're making that adjustment. Not only that what – I have to listen things, Dave, man. And now every – I mean, when, you're, when you grow up playing football in Florida, the, the two-minute drill is like the best part of practice that you can have. And for Mullen to just run the clock out,
3: like all right, I think uh, lost connection there, but I think we got most of it. Yeah, I uh, already spoke there on the the first half, uh, late first half, uh, the two minute drill. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go score there. You got to uh, uh, be more aggressive in, in that opportunity. At least at least go play for a field goal. I mean, if you were going to be that conservative, okay, at least well at least play four field goal. Go get. 30 more yards and, and go pitch yourself and field goal raise late in the first half uh, there. And especially, like I said, you know, we can speak all the, all the questions and limitations we have about Emory, but. At that point, I thought he was playing good enough to go and, and and at least go try and be aggressive for a score late in the first quarter or late in the first half. I, did, I thought he was at least playing well enough for that. I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have been conservative uh, in, in that regard. Uh, you talk about the defense there, and, yeah, I mean, um, I, I've talked about the inconsistency up front all season. Uh, I think we have seen it. And, look, uh, it, it's hard to pin this one on the defense. I think, you, uh, you know, we, we can nitpick and say, You'd like to see this defensive line be more consistent, more aggressive, uh, um, and, and control the game. Uh, but for the style of offense Kentucky is, I thought they did about as good as you could ask for. Uh, you give up 13 points as a defense. Um, now, I get, I, I get it. The The first score is going to – I mean, the first score ticked me off. It should tick everybody off. You, you knew that was the playmaker. You knew that was the guy. You could not just lose sight of him. But, look, he's a good player. He's going to make plays. Uh, it's easy to sit here and say you should have stopped him uh, I okay in a way a- a- after that play he didn't do anything the rest of the game uh so yeah yeah I think you somewhat did your job and would you like to see him not score there of course but as I said 13 points with this defense and what we've seen the last couple of years that's – um and yeah I say if you're happy, happy if you're happy or sad well you got to be happy about the defense and their performance there I, I honestly I thought I just it, it's not where I look for the reason for I lost. And, I mean, look, of course, you can put blame everywhere and, and you can pinpoint things in that play and giving up that big screen and that big play. That That's one of them. It, it is. But in the big picture, big scheme of things about this game, that's way, 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 way down the list before I, I get even to, to complaining about that. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I we will – you, know, you can take things away from games, and i still say, you know, this defensive line. Yeah, I, I'd like to see some more consistency uh, up front on that side of the ball as well. All right, two more in here, and I will go. This is it. I'll, I'll cut it off right here. Uh, let me bring
1: C2 in here and Julio. Hey, how's it going, Dave? Hey, man, how you doing? Uh, I wish I was doing better today. Yeah, <laughs> <For> yeah, yeah. <sure. laughs> Hey, listen, uh, I won't keep you long, man. Listen, I, I got to say I was dead wrong. I can say that. Um, I did not expect the offensive line to play that bad. And yeah. uh, it, was, it wasn't It was just the false starts, man. We just were not physical Saturday right. at all. Uh, but I, I'm not sure if this has been mentioned. Um, but uh, I think from what I understood, from what I've heard, uh, I've heard that Elam could have played – if we really needed him Saturday night. Now I know that I thought the corners played pretty well overall. I don't think they played poorly. I wouldn't say that. Um, I, I, other than that big screen pass to, you know, Wandell Robinson, uh, who looks like a UF caliber athlete to me. <laughs> um, but I think you go back to the LSU game. We could have played Pitts in that game and Pitts didn't play. He could have played. Um, I think Mullen even admitted later, we could, you know, we could, or somebody admitted later that we could have played him if we really felt like we needed him. My point to that is, I think when you don't play your best player, you're sending a message to your football team that this game don't really matter. This game doesn't really, you know, we're not taking this team very seriously. You know, we're just going to sit this guy out until we can play somebody good. And that just puts a mentality in your team. In my opinion, you put you put that mentality and that belief belief in your team that, oh, the, the, we're just going to run right through these guys. We don't need Elam. You know, we're, we're good. We're good right where we're at. And I, I think the team looked like a team that thought they were just going to come out there and roll them over. Um, and and it just I don't know what's your what's your thoughts on that? I I, I think that's that's twice now Mullen's done that.
3: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I want that mindset. I, I do want the mindset that you can go out there and, and, and go beat the other team. Um, that, that that should be the mindset. Um, but, you know, I guess maybe the seriousness of it, I guess kind of maybe where you're going with that. Um, now, Elam not playing didn't make a difference in the game, but I, I know what you're talking. You're talking, you're talking mindset and, and the approach uh, with that. Um, maybe to even extend that, if you want to talk about what kind of message are you sending your team I even mean, what kind of message are you sending your team right before the half as well yeah. in, that, in that last drive. So if you want to yeah. combine those two thoughts and maybe that's, you know, plays into the, the thought system and, and, and the trust of uh, the team there. I, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't argue against you. Uh, if you think that makes a difference. Um, you know, I, yeah, I don't know about the Elam thing. I know he gave it a run. He, he warmed up and then they, they called it off that he, that he wasn't going to play. Um, yeah. so, you know, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll well, see. I know it, it started coming out Friday that he probably wasn't going to play. Uh, all right. I, I don't really know any more than that as far as Edom goes. And if he could have played or not, uh, I know you and I have talked about some stuff behind the scenes. So I know you, 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 got some, you got some good stuff, uh, out there and how you can gather info. So I now mean, I wouldn't put it past, uh, in there and, and just saying, yeah don't need him and really they didn't but i know you're talking more about the mindset
1: yeah i mean you know I, i'll tell you I, i'll go back i don't know if it, this is going way back uh i don't know if anybody remembers a radio show in saint augustine uh espn at saint augustine called the gator connection uh it was on for a long while and fred weary was a co-host uh, my friend keith kasarowski was the host and fred weary was his uh you know his co-host and fred used to talk about how as a defensive player it was it was just it it was the you had the mindset you were going to kill this team because you knew spurrier was going to go for the kill early you knew that spurrier was going to try to put this team away before the half you know and he said it, it instilled a mindset in those players you know, we're gonna come out, we're gonna beat this team and this you know, this defense all we gotta do is just play even decent on defense and we're gonna kill this team, you know? Yeah. And and uh it was just a mindset, it was a swagger. It was a it was just and you don't see that. Like I like I, I kept thinking when we were right before you as you mentioned before the half, I kept thinking, man, if this was Meyer, he would go for the throw right now. <laughs> you know? And because you notice when we got that when Kentucky got that uh man forgive me i forgot the sequence of the things but they got in a turnover on us i believe right i think we turned ball mm-hmm. over a couple times but anyway we we when we turned the ball over what did kentucky do they went right down the field and attacked us yep. now thank god we have a five-star corner um and marshall that did a fantastic job in my opinion um and you know, somebody said he put uh, he put uh, Wandel Robinson in Alcatraz, and I agree with that. He did after <laughs> that one play that that didn't happen. Yep. So um, there there were some bright spots to this team. I I do I do get concerned about the mentality of the team, the yeah. the psyche of this team, because now they really, truthfully, let's be real honest, they they got nothing to play for now. They really don't. Yep. And and now it's all about pride. And I, <laughs> if it were me. I would just – I would focus, you know, day, you know, week to week, but I would really focus on that Georgia game and try to ruin their season at that point. Because, listen, I'm a Gator through and through, bro, but it's all – it's roll tide for me the rest of this way because I do not <laughs> want Georgia winning a national championship. And I don't care who beats them. I don't care, you know, we just can't have that happen. And another thing I'll point out and I'll go, what's frustrating about all this, we got Miami down – we got FSU down, mm-hmm. and we're not capitalizing on that at all. Yep, And not That's the said, in the recruiting trail.
3: Way, yeah, there you, know, you go. That's kind of where I was going a little bit yesterday yeah. with the kind of Kentucky comparison. All right, you're two and 2-2 two versus Kentucky. Kentucky is improving. No doubt about it. They're an improving team. But you should have been at the point now with the success you had in 2018 and 2019 to build something when the FSU and Miami's down. You know, you had your chance to really build a solid recruiting base to – to kind of further the talent gap to where if you do have an off night, to where you're playing pretty bad on a Saturday night in Lexington, that you can still some some way come out and win that game?
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I just I, – I'm concerned. I really am. And I'll tell you what, I, I've i watched – South. I know this sounds crazy. I've watched South Carolina. They play inspired. I think you said that once before. Um, they play inspired football. They're not that talented, but they – God, they're going to come after us when we play them. And I, they're not going to back down from us. And I, I really I, – I mentioned that because I think – I could see three more losses this season. I really could. Um, I, I think LSU is going to be a real challenge, obviously. Um, and Georgia is going to make or break our season, in my opinion. It's going to make or break whether this, this team – we're going to see if this team is going to fold or they're going to fight. And I think Jacksonville is going to tell the tale.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you want to see you want to see that killer instinct. You want to see that mentality uh, from here on out, and um, you know that goes that goes for you know going in practice. You want to go see them. That goes for the coaching staff. That goes for the players. I think you know, and and I agree. I think it does start up top. And I know we can sit here and talk, and sometimes we can give Dan Bowen credit for tinkering and trying to work on things in a game Mm -hmm. or something like that. But okay, well, do that when you're up thirty to nothing in the. Good yeah. way to the second quarter. You know, right. you don't have you don't have to tinker from the get go. You know, go out there and uh, go put your points up, and then and, and then start putting your young guys. But in, that goes you know, back to the
1: respect of the opponent. I'm sorry, to interrupt you, But that goes back to the, yeah. the the opponent. I mean, he plays down to his opponents, and he's done that since Mississippi. He did that at Mississippi State, of course. You know, he was usually the one that was down as far as talent wise. You know. Well, yeah.
3: I wouldn't thought about that too. I mean, what was it? 2016 for them where yeah. they opened up with the they opened the season up with a loss to South Alabama or, or something like that. I <laughs> mean um, so it's yeah. you know, he's he's played down to the competition he was at Mississippi State too. Now, don't get me wrong, he played up to it as well and, you know, never beat Alabama but gave them a run for their money a couple of times and LSU and yeah. Auburn Texas A and M teams that recruit better than them, but there there were those in losses at Mississippi State too and those games uh, like you just opening up the season with South Alabama and losing that game. You know, that that that's kind of reminiscent of what we've seen a couple of times here.
1: Well, look at, look at when, remember in Meyer's book, when Meyer said, you know, he, he, he talked about Dan in his book. I think I can't direct quote it, but he said something like, you know, it was the fourth down in the 2006 SEC championship game and Dan screaming in his ear, go for it, F and go for it. You mm-hmm. know, just, you know, I don't know if you remember that or not, but yeah, he just, he said that, you know, Dan pushed him to go for it. And that's when we did that fake, I think. Um, with Cornelius, uh, with uh, Jamal Cornelius, Jamel Cornelius, but that where's that damn Mullen? Where's that damn Mullen? You know? Yeah, I, I mean, just and, 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 where, and, and, where is and, that guy? The
3: first, the first job of the game may have been the uh, indi- yeah. indication there. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't Mullen, Mullen. I'd say ninety, ninety-five percent goes for it out right there in fourth down. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I just, yeah. You know what? It's always go Gators, bro. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to get this ship right. You know, we're going to, we're going to get the ship right eventually. And, uh, and uh, just, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be under Dan Mullen, unfortunately. So, all right. We'll so, see about, we'll, we'll right,
3: see brother.
1: where that goes. All
3: right. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. All right, Julio. I think if you're still in here, man, you'll be the last one. I have this thing has went on for an hour and 40 minutes now. So, <laughs> um, but
5: uh, all right, I don't. There you are. What's up, boss?
3: Hey, man. My question
5: is: Did you see the play with um, Tyron Hopper? Built the whole. He kind oh, of yeah. got. He came up high. And kind of got ran over. But isn't that the linebacker play we like? We need right there, like on that exact play. Isn't that the linebacker play we need? I feel like the linebackers we have now, as soon as the ball say hype, they backing up.
3: Yeah, it you know, he goes into you know what are the coaches asking them to do, but you would love to see yeah, moving forward filling filling the gap there, and that's what you were going to need versus Kentucky. I mean, their offensive line is going to try and move defensive linemen out of the way uh, and ask their running backs to, to, to make a play. Um, you know, for the you know, most part in the defense, I mean, I thought they they did an okay job. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky had to run yards. They were they were always going to have to run yards. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and ask a defense for a Kentucky team that's got a really good offensive line and some good running backs to go out there and make them run for 30 yards. This, this, to me, wasn't likely, especially with this defense. I mean, I I didn't expect that anyway. Like I said, I want some more consistency up front. I uh, thought the linebackers played you know, played okay. Uh, I, I expected uh, Diabate to, to go in there and have a lot of tackles. He did. Uh, he showed some nice pursuit at times as well. That's kind of what he brings to the table. Uh, but, yeah, Hopper's some guy, and I pointed it out in the preview and, and a couple times last week doing these things, a the guy I wanted to see more of. I think he's probably the best tackler uh, at the linebacker position. Jeremiah Moon played well as well, uh, again, at linebacker. You know, I think Florida got pretty lucky there that they identified that preseason. Venture Miller goes down, and – Jeremiah moon comes in and and does some nice things as well. Um, so you know we'll see um Kentucky you know they, they did a good job against Kentucky I don't think Kentucky played all too well, and I think a lot of that was to do was due to Florida and, and what they were doing uh, as well. It's just you know I, I still want to see some more consistency. I thought Gervin Dexter played another good game, but it wasn't uh what he t- what he did versus Alabama and uh, uh, Tennessee the week before to me. I thought he had a good game uh, but you know there's still. Still a lack of dominance that I thought we'd see on a more consistent basis from that defensive tackle group. So, you know, for for, for defense, get Elam back, have Marshall continue to show some progress that we saw uh, Saturday night versus Kentucky and some more consistency up there in that front seven. Uh, linebackers a little more aggressive, as you say. I would like to see them play a little more aggressive. And I'd like to see that defensive line uh, with some more consistency. So I think that's uh, – where I'm at on the defense, you know, after a a performance that was worthy of a win Saturday night. All right, guys. Thank you so much. This completely went a whole lot longer than I thought it would. But going to have that conversation with you guys. Thank you so much for hopping in here for another Twitter Spaces here. I know we all trying to cope together (laughs) with this one. Uh, We'll see. Uh, See See what we get moving forward. I'll do this again Friday morning as well, every Monday, every Friday. We'll see what happens in the bike week, but uh, we can worry about that in a couple weeks. But got to go. uh, Sure to check out Gators Breakdown tonight, me and Will Miles, uh, 9 o'clock, a little bit later, start tonight. Uh, We'll talk to Dan Mullen today. I'll try and get in and ask a couple questions uh, that I know you guys are <laughs> wanting, wanting to know some answers for. So we'll get in there and uh, get that done. So be on the lookout for uh, Dan Mullen's press conference today. And we'll, uh, we'll review it all tonight on Gators Breakdown with me and Will Miles starting at 9 o'clock. So that'll do it for this edition of Twitter Spaces, and I'll check you guys out on the next one.